There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. To the Indie Football Podcast. Only three, actually. Yeah, not not enough time, which I'm sure we will, we will cover. Um, that was the voice of, of Miguel Delaney, Chief Football Writer of the Independent. Say hello, Miguel. Hello. Uh, mine is the voice of, of Ed Malian, Sports Editor of the Independent. And to my left is Jack Pitbrook, also freshly returned from Russia. Uh, he had a week off, and then he's back at, back at the grind. Hey, Ed, good to be back. Uh, did you enjoy your first game of the season yesterday? Uh, I did, uh, because Manchester City won. Um, no, it was fun. I thought that City were much better than Chelsea, yeah. obviously. I mean, it was obviously a game between a team who have been training with their manager for, they're now in their third year, against a team whose manager didn't even week. start pre-season. Yeah. Because, of course, Chelsea didn't get around to giving Sarri the job until, I can't remember exactly what the date was, but it was like two weeks ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's had two weeks of the team. Yeah, um, and of course he hasn't got the players back, he hasn't got Kante, who was a big miss. Um, so clearly they are like a long, long, long way away mm-hmm. from being competitive. Uh, it was really, really easy for City. I couldn't believe how, like every time they every time they attacked, they got in. Because Chelsea had basically three attacking midfielders and yeah. none of them can defend. I, I, I was surprised at how honoured City were, given how little time they've had as well. I mean, I've asked Pep this after the game. And like some of the players only had two or three training sessions. Yeah, and, yet, like, and yet they looked as if to kind of they... Walker and Stones came back in the week. Yeah. Like they were given the option not to come back, but they chose to come back for yes for yesterday's games. So they train, trained it, twice. It, it's very ominous for the rest of the league, to be honest. What City? Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, like they were a significant distance ahead last season, and nothing had happened this off season that would suggest that that was going to get drawn but, but, back. But, but, I, I, but, guess, but I guess the fact they were that, this good that early again, and even like you could see, I mean, haven't haven't watched a lot of last season, bar the European games and the, you know, the defense issues and all that. You were talking, I mean. How many more? Like, can this team actually get much better? Yeah, already yesterday, Mendy was back in, and he could have reminded you that yes, they actually did miss a lot last season because they they looked actually more physically powerful. They didn't have a left Mendy. back basically. Last yeah, season. not a proper one. Uh, yeah. They had Danilo, who is Danilo, and Fabian Delph, who deputised. I think with, with I mean, we say that he was like a seven out of ten deputy. Yeah. But and I think having Stones and Laporte together at centre back actually made City better in possession than they would have been mm. with Company or Atamendi because yeah. Stones and Laporte are the two best ball players of City's four centre backs. Mm. You'd like uh, that to be the first choice partnership? Yeah, I think that will probably be the first choice partnership going forward. Like they're both like 23, 24. They both cost huge amounts of money. Otamendi, I mean, Company's basically mm. finished. Otamendi is probably past his best as well, if we're honest. Um, so that was like a further dimension to mm. City's play. And then also Bernardo Silva, who, you know, C- City did this yesterday without their two best players, David Silva and Kevin mm-hmm. De Bruyne. Mm. But Bernardo Silva played in that David Silva role in the first half. He was fantastic. Um, 
And it made you think like City were probably gonna City can probably do without David Silva and De Bruyne, even though they're the two most important players. <laughs> they can probably they can he, still be really good without those two guys for the next few weeks. Yeah, yesterday was a case almost of basically like whenever you attack, who's who's which of the four kind of attacking players they had on the pitch, whose turn was it to kind of do something brilliant to impress? Like they <laughs> well, what do you think of Mares on his competitive? Uh, he, he was actually the quietest out of their attackers. He like, was. Phil I, Foden was I better. He was. Yeah. yeah, Phil Foden had a good game. Uh, it's it's one of those weird situations, isn't it, where like. Everyone wants him to play more mm. this season. Everyone is kind of excited to see possibly an English player that breaks the mould a little for what you yeah. expect from an English midfielder these days. Um, he was good. He was good. But do we think he's actually going to be a regular or even semi-regular this season? Uh, I think, yeah, I think we'll get I think we'll get more yeah. games than he did last year. I think last year he started maybe four or five games. Um, but the thing is, because City didn't sign Jorginho, and it looks like they're not going to sign alternative to Jorginho, that kind of effectively moves. Pep brought it up yesterday. He did, effectively he did moves Foden up the pecking order, doesn't it? Yeah. And no. also, given that Gundogan will probably get injured at some point, um, that means there will always be. I mean, certainly in the cup competitions and maybe yeah. the easier home games. You think there will always be games for Foden? There, yeah. There wasn't there some suggestion that Pep said he was. They were looking at other mm. midfielders now. So yeah, no. He said, no, he said, yeah, he said they, they, they're still trying to get in because, he, as he put it, they have no specific replacement for uh, Fernandinho. But if they, if they, they won't do any other business by that, and if they can't get anyone, he may consider using John Stones as an alternative to. Yeah, uh, where he played for the last the last fifty minutes of yesterday. Stones mm-hmm. played in holding midfield, and he suggested that Douglas Louise, who I think was on loan last year, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, also might be someone that could step in a, a young Brazilian midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything else you want to say on the Community Shield first game of the season? But it is basically a glorified preseason friendly. Yeah, and, 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 and it, it, that feel. It felt like that more than ever, and that's probably down to the fact that it's just I mean, it's just three weeks since the World Cup final. And, and yeah. that's kind of amazing that Mendy was playing. Yeah, we 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 got to train back with a. Uh, Jacob Steinberger, the Guardian, yesterday, a friend of the podcast, um, and he, started, he made the point basically that it's like after the World Cup, it's like watching a match when you're like, basically your stomach's full from the World Cup. So here's like here's some sweets. That's a, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it was. It's a bit too, it's a bit too soon. <laughs> Going to so, open my fourth pack of crisps of the day. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but you just had a massive roast meal. Yeah. So I, I think uh, well, I, I was actually I was looking up for last week when I was doing my Community Shield preview the kind of the gaps between the World Cup final and the Community Shield in the past. And like the, I think there was one year in 2002 or something like that where it was basically it was almost two months. Whereas this like we haven't had even a chance to kind of basically digest the World Cup. And it's so different to last year. Last year, I remember the season preview podcast, which must have been like our second podcast mm. that we did or third podcast. We've now done nearly 100. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, the season preview podcast was about two hours long, nearly, uh, because we were so excited and there was so much to talk yeah. about. But this year, um, I'd rather just focus on, because I think people are having a little bit of a struggle. The people are needing to kind of, you need to edge your way back in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you have to find the stories that you find mm. interesting first. There are still a lot of things that I'm struggling to find. Yeah, any like part of me that cares, but there are there are stories that I think are going to be interesting this year. And, and like, it's not just in the Premier League. I think Atletico Madrid might have their best shot of winning La Liga since mm-hmm. they won it last. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be really interesting. How they because they they've strengthened better than any of the top two. Yeah, yeah. who have the they signed? T- they signed Thomas Lamar on one yeah. wing. They signed Gelson Martins from Sporting Lisbon, who has been one of the kind mm. of really in-demand wingers over the last couple of years. They got him notionally on a free after he cancelled his contract with Sporting Lisbon. They kept uh, Antoine. They kept Griezmann. They've signed Rodri, who is one of the best young players in Spain. Um, they signed another kid, a Spanish kid, I can't remember his name. Um, but they've basically strengthened more than anyone else. Real Madrid have brought in Vinicius Junior, who could be Neymar, but he could be mm. Robinho. 
uh, like a, an unknown Brazilian, really. Uh, who else have they brought in? Audrey Azolo is a good right back, mm. but they haven't got any Galacticos. They obviously lost Cristiano Ronaldo. It looks like they're going to struggle for one. Yeah, no, I, I don't think... I think they're going to struggle to buy anyone of that ilk. They have to kind mm. of hope that Vinicius Junior becomes kind of a big star. In the same mm. way that Barcelona went out and spent a lot of money on Arthur from mm. Gremio, and, and they kind of need him to be a, a big a, a big part of this season. And, mm. and who, else have, who else have they got? They bought... Um, I can't even remember. They sold Lucas Dina. They're about to sell Yeri Mina. They've still got Usman Dembele, but trying there's, a to sell he could, there's a chance that he could leave. Um, they signed uh, Arturo Vidal this weekend. Mm. It's just a weird... I think the, the is, top he, is he any good now? Is he still good? I think he's, his knees. Yeah, his knees well, that's why he's problem. so cheap, as well as his but, age. And he's also, you know, endless problems off the field. Um, most notably, most famously, when um, yeah. uh, they, they were away with Chile and they skipped out for a night out and claimed that they were at the baptism of Jorge Valdivia's son yeah. when they all uh, returned at 6am. I think I think he also crashed a car that night. Anyway, um, so yeah, what stories do we find interesting at that Comadrida one for me? I think there's going to be one to watch this season, um, but particularly in the Premier League. So I'll start with you, Jack. Something that's actually piqued your interest this off-season. I think the most interesting story this season, by quite a long way, is is this going to be a Mourinho season? <laughs> I think that, I mean, not just because it's United, but because the Mourinho season, 2015-16, was probably the most was probably the most unexpected, dramatic, and still kind of unexplained thing to happen in the Premier League yeah. in the last sort of 10 years. I think it's actually more interesting than Leicester winning the title. Um because the whole the way the Premier League is structured is that the big teams are so geared towards like always getting 80, yeah. 85 points. And so for for Chelsea 2015-16 to be that bad is such is so unusual and freakish. Um it can't just be written off as like one of those things that happens. And I to be honest, I think that like the media as a whole hasn't done a good enough job holding Mourinho to account mm. for 2015-16. Um and if it does feel, I mean, Miguel knows more about this than I do, but it does feel to me as if, like, lots of the pieces are in place for something yeah, yeah, similar yeah. to happen this year at United. So, for me, I think that's one of the most interesting things. Like, Miguel, do yeah. you think it's going to happen? Well, it's even, I mean, with one of the most profound parallels being uh, this idea of almost talking yourself into trouble. Like, we just start, like, and even if he has to just fucking play them with transfers, the way he overplays it, as he did in 2015, which obviously then spiralled into other issues with, like, and there was, I mean... You can't see at the moment any sort of any Eva, Dr. Eva Carnero moment at United. But, yeah, I mean, there's already tension with, with, the, with the playing squad. And I'm saying that as, as interesting as the... As, I agree, the, as interesting as the whole storyline is, and I think it is one of the... Fray, how the season's going to be framed, some of the manner it's delivered is remains exceptionally tedious, which is Mourinho's whole yeah. mood now is just like, oh, this again. We're not even... This season hasn't even started and we're back to the same old yeah. stuff. From I remember the, like, the basic dynamic of the Mourinho mm. season is that they'd have a, they would lose and Mourinho's response to losing would, would be like, I'm going to lash out mm. and then... But that will like somehow force the players to get their shit together yeah. and they'll be good the next game. So lose, lash out, doesn't get the required effect. Next time he lashes out harder yeah. then they lose again. Yeah. The next time he lashes out harder and the, but things keep getting yeah, worse. Yeah, he, yeah. he kind of keeps pressing the button. He keeps always pulling the lever. Extremes. It's always yeah. tedious extremes. Like there'll be one game where they're really bad and then they'll lose and he'll say, I thought we were really good today. This was my fault, oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then the next game they'll be really good and he'll say, that was terrible. All yeah, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's the sort of like... 
they, they, he needs to do something extreme at every point because he's so desperately trying to provoke a reaction yeah, from his squad. Everything, but the reason he, he can't provoke a reaction from his squad is because of the tedium of the way mm. he treats them. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the other side of this as well, I mean, if you look, look, look at the World Cup, look at the, especially the Champions League, actually, the, 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 knockout, the knockout stage, and, the, and like then what's happening at City, what's happening at Liverpool. You know, football has become fun again. It, 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 we're probably in one of the most exciting eras in general. For, for some time and like the amount of goals being scored and yet in the middle of this you have this kind of man from who's kind of been transplanted he, from 2006 yeah kind exa- of exactly shit yeah. on a stick era yeah yeah, yeah. shit he, on a stick he, he, era he, he didn't football. get the memo yeah <laughs> and, and you know he's been caught out by this revolution once before a decade mm. ago and it feels like he's almost you know there was a little resurgence of of what you might call defensive football but kind of counter-pressing football really the sort of the modernised Mourinho in the likes of Simeone and, and I guess people like Daesh as well um, Miguel, give mm. me a story from this season that piques your interest. Um, I think again, this is actually supposed to one touching on some old teams, but it's the dynamic has changed because of the decisions Chelsea have taken. But can Sari introduce the type of entertaining football that Abramovich would really want before Abramovich starts to get frustrated with results from this learning process? Who, I, which which manager is least likely to be there the first day of next season Maurizio Sarri or Jose Mourinho I still say Sarri just because of Chelsea but maybe because I I, I, I as, as, as kind of ominous as, as some things look at United I still think that they'll just about grind their way through the season kind of maybe to a third or fourth place um, and, and that's, that won't be quite enough for Woodward to kind of push one, even though I think they should like, be slow starters though yeah, yeah, I mean like yeah, if they're not yeah. slow starters They've overachieved because yeah, yeah, yeah. the the situation with, within which they've gone into the season is far from ideal. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it is. I think now is probably the best time to play to play United, mm. given how what a mess they are and how they haven't got the players back. And clearly, there's like big issues behind the scenes. And their best player Pogba is presumably not going to be ready for a while. So uh, yeah, now is definitely the best time mm. to play United. Arsenal are. I guess, interesting again. Because for so long, and, and we complained last year that the thing with Arsenal was that they were so predictable because mm-hmm. we know we knew which way the Wenger stuff was heading. Um, it did head that way. It did head that way eventually in the end. And we got a new coach, Unai Emery, who perhaps wasn't the guy that was expected. Um, they have had a fairly low-key summer. They got some deals done early. Very little done since. I, I don't think they've got much more money to spend. Mm. What do you think of the way that that project's taking shape? It's interesting. I mean, like, it's very hard to get a read on them. Like, I don't yeah. know. I've got no idea how good they're going to be. Or I don't even know what exactly they're aiming for. Like, it's the close, the, the most recent parallel I can think of is, I mean, is like Tottenham 2014-15. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, replacing Tim Sherwood is not the same as replacing <laughs> Arsene Wenger. But the idea of, like, a new manager coming in with new ideas and he's got a squad which is a bit of a mess... And he's trying to bring in players who might fit with that. But you kind of get the sense that they're at the start of a process which mm. will take a while for them to become good. And they might have to... Basically, they're going to have to be hard to beat and competitive before they can be, like, dangerous mm. to the other top teams. Like, I know they've bought... The, the players they look... The players they've got in are probably quite good for how Emery wants to play. Mm. But I... You know, you, I think ultimately, like a sort of scrapping their way to third or fourth is probably as good as yeah, it's yeah. Get. I think so as well. Yeah, you, you think that's the ceiling of this team yeah. is, a, is it's like, third it's like, or fourth? 
I also, I'm not. I mean, he's a, he's a good coach fundamentally, Emery, but I'm not. He's not one of those that really bowls me over. You fancy him in a cup competition? I mean, he's got a good yeah, record. Yeah, in knockouts. yeah, it's true. But yeah. So I think I think this could be a transition <laughs> season for new for Arsenal, but basically what they want, what they need is just to be trending upwards again. Yeah, that's what it feels like. To be, one thing actually I should write about Emery in that sense, I, I can just <laughs> yeah, I'll, I don't think I'll ever be able to go, get get away from this with him. But uh, I was there the day before the Barcelona six one against PSG, and even the day before the game in his press conference, he seemed like a man petrified that that could that could, that precisely could happen, and it was just so meek. And I, I've, I've, ne- I've never uh, I. I, I it did genuinely make me lose respect from them. I, I as think, a manager, I think I think that, and this is weird because I kind of consider Arsenal, um, you know, one of the, the super clubs in the world because financially and stuff mm. they are. PSG was almost was a bigger job than Arsenal. Now bear with me here. Arsenal was a bigger club than Paris Saint Germain mm. in many ways, but I think that the PSG job was so big because they'd set the outer limits yeah, of what yeah. that job is yeah, yeah, yeah. as being a global super club. Mm. Like in the stratosphere, yeah. like winning the Champions League, you've got Neymar, you've got Mbappe, you've got unlimited funds, mm. all of these things, um, and he couldn't fill that that void. He couldn't fill yeah, that yeah. gap. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas at Arsenal, I don't think it's a terrible fit. I don't think it's mm. a terrible fit that he goes in there and it's and it's you know get us back on the upward and see what you can do and and sometimes be pragmatic and sometimes you know do bow to your mm. more defensive instincts or whatever because he's not necessarily the fundamentalist that Wenger was um, well one thing to be said Phil, like Emery is a proper coach and one of the complaints from a lot of Bar- Arsenal players of the last few years under Wenger was they didn't get any real coaching I think it was one thing particularly from like the likes of Grand Jacka that they didn't really know what they were meant to be doing it was, got, it was very kind of laissez-faire yeah, and a lot of them had friends at Tottenham yeah. and they were actually quite jealous when they heard about oh Pochino does this and that and I've really improved yeah. all these things and with, our, with Wenger it was always like you're a good player let's figure it out for yourselves yeah. so, now, so now at least I think we could see individual improvement from a lot of Arsenal players and I think they'll be good I think they'll be good defensively mm. which they're not haven't been for years I think they'll be well organised mm. I think they'll be, they'll be the interesting thing is they'll be a very even though I don't think they'll be that good, they'll be a very different prospect for opposition. Yeah. Opponents are so used to playing against an this Arsenal is it, team exactly, yeah. who just yeah. collapses yeah. and they're really open and you get in once and then it, you're 3-0 mm. up. Whereas this is going to be a kind of like scrappier Arsenal side mm. and actually they could catch some other teams off, get off hand. Yeah, and I think Lucas Torreira, the, the, way, good. the way he plays is going to be... We're going to see some pieces before October which are praising Torreira as the face of the new Arsenal because mm. he's a bit scrappier. Yeah. He's still a great ball player, but he, he's got a bit of fight to him. He's got a bit of bite. He's got um, kind of, he's going to be involved. Mm. He's going to be making the tackles and, and picking up interceptions and then starting attacking play from there. So that's the sort of player that I think um, that fans really like as well. Yeah, yeah, like totally. with The first t- couple of times mm. they see him, you're going to really notice his addition to that centre midfield, which is where they were so poor at times last year. So, um, I'd look out for him across North London. Tottenham have been incredibly quiet. Is there anything interesting about this campaign? Perhaps the fact that they have been so quiet, and you know, can Pochettino just keep this going? Mm. Will the continuity ever end, or is he just that good a coach? Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because they remember at the end of last season, Pochettino basically challenged the board when he mm. said, "We've got to be brave, take risks, do things differently." They've not done that. Yeah, right. And the presumption was, well, that means they have to spend more money, and yet. In reality, because of the stadium, they have to sell b- before they can buy. Um, 
And that means that usually, like, Levy leaves his, di- his mm. business until the last days of the window so he can get the best deals. But now, like, the roles have been reversed and Levy's having to go around trying to flog all the wheeled and rows to mm. generate money to buy players. Yeah. But that's really hard because if you keep calling someone up asking them to buy Danny Rose, they're never going to take your first offer. Mm. It's like he's getting levied by other chairmen. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, looking at uh, Spurs, trying to look through really rose-tinted sort of glasses here, they didn't but like they didn't spend money on new signings but they did tie down like Harry Kane to a massive new contract and things like that like how significant is that especially before the world cup you know to to get Kane and people like that tied down yeah i think I, it's and the, the good thing about spurs is that their first 11 is still really good like if everyone's mm. fit then that that they've got like 12 or 13 players and particularly remember that Trippier is probably a better player now than he was mm-hmm. in the past like which can easily come top four I've got no doubt that they can get top four with that team however they've got the long-term problems which is not enough depth and the problem they've had for really four years which is that they can't sign players to improve the team no one they've signed yeah. since Deli Ali has improved the first 11 like Aurier, Sissoko, Lorente, Janssen like none of them have made an improvement That's a good point Jack I hadn't thought about that but it's true yeah no they they haven't really been signing to to improve the first like team. Sanchez might improve them in time, but he's not as good as Toby Alderweireld yet. Mm. Um, and like Spurs haven't, Spurs are further away than ever from solving that problem, from signing yeah, players yeah. to improve them. That's kind of the opposite of of Liverpool, Miguel, who are interesting because they, I think, believe that they could challenge for the title yeah. this year. Uh, and many people do think they're going to be the closest team to Manchester yeah. City. And they they have actively, you know, in their signings, their signings have been few but have been of high quality yeah, friends basically uh you know Virgil van Dijk was the first mm. we need a really good center back we're going to go out and spend a lot of money to mm. get him they wanted Navi Keita they got him a year in advance and now we're going to see him mm. I'm quite excited to see how that turns out because uh, a friend of mine who works in in player recruitment thinks he's genuinely one of the top mm. three to five central midfielders in the world and could easily be one of the top players in the world um they've gone out and got Zedan Shakiri, who was basically just a really good deal mm. Now, they didn't get Nabil Fakir. They wanted a kind of number 10, second striker sort of guy, and they didn't get him. But you're still looking at that first 11, the mm. squad, how they played last season. And, you know, do you think they've got it? I think it'll be a very exciting season again. It'll be great to watch. They'll so go very far. But I just, I think they'll just fall short because ultimately Liverpool have to push everything they've got to the maximum to win the title. And I think, I think, I still think City have, in terms of resource, in terms of depth, that bit more. Yeah. If, it, if City weren't the, if City weren't the best team in the history of English football, <laughs> then I'd back Liverpool to win the league. Yeah, like they can e- that group of players can easily get ninety points and play some brilliant stuff. But unfortunately, like they're up against yeah. and like a like, sort of mega a sort of super force. The, the, ga- the recent games against you almost sum it up. Basically, Liverpool on any on an individual day can be as good if not better than City. But over the course of a season, thirty eight like, games. Like, yeah. come on, like City, it would take it would take quite a lot of things to go wrong at City. Yeah, at, yeah. like in like at the same time yeah. for City not to, for City to drop enough points for Liverpool to beat yeah, them exactly. yeah exactly I fundamentally think that City City could win the title playing at 90% or like 85% yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of their capabilities whereas Liverpool would need to play 100% and yeah. hope that City really dip um, I was just trying to find out what the actual Premier League title odds are because I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I was thinking yesterday. Are Liverpool now at the club with the most league titles in Europe to have gone the longest without winning a title? It's no, pro- no. It's probably someone like Ferenc Varos who have been yeah. like relegated to like the fifth year of Hungarian football. But no, no, they have eighteen titles and like because eight, eighteen titles in twenty nine years, at least by They've probably got a lot of Hungarian titles. But uh, I mean, I think it's an interesting question. I haven't got a clue who the answer is. Um, if you believe Man City are absolutely certain to win the title, basically, you could stash your money away with a bookmaker and make like 60% ROI over the season um, it might be the best investment available in our post-Brexit economy <laughs> so think about that one um, and outside of Liverpool I, I guess we've actually pretty much touched on on all of the, the top six but I think there are interesting stories outside mm-hmm. that what has caught your eye um, from the other 14 teams in this offseason um, I like Fulham and Wolves mm. um, I think that we, we talked about this before with the examples of Burnley and Bournemouth. The most important thing when you're coming into the Premier League is to have an idea of how you want to play with a manager, like a manager who's been there for a while and can execute it, and players brought in to play that system. Like That's the best way. That's why Burnley and Bournemouth are still in the Premier League. That's why someone like QPR, where they make it up as they go along, are not in the Premier League anymore. And I kind of think both Fulham and Wolves have that. Like They both have hmm. very clear philosophy from the manager, really good recruitment. Fulham have bought brilliantly. Yeah. Like, what, Seri, who's like one of the most in-demand midfielders in Europe. Um, Alfie Mawson, Mitrovic, Andre Schürrle, World Cup winner and was pretty I'm handy at Chelsea. Worried, I, the only thing I'm worried about with Fulham, I think, I think I completely agree with you. I think Slavisa Jokanovic is a great coach. They played some brilliant football last year. Um, I'll personally probably see quite a lot of them this year and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And I think they're going to be an interesting team. Uh, so fair play to bring them up first. I worry if they lack goals. I'm, I just Mitrovic is, was great for them last year when he came in and he scored, what, 12 before the end of the yeah. season in January. And I think uh, he's great at leading the line. He won't score as many goals in the Premier League, I don't think, because he won't get as many chances mm. and he does need a few chances. He's not m- the most natural finisher. He's a great solo line leader sort of yeah, player yeah. obviously they've got Sessegnon who who's a phenomenal talent Tom Kenny's absolutely brilliant Seri I'm interested to see because he was a player who was slated to go much higher up yeah, the league yeah, yeah. really or to Barcelona even they, they had Barcelona had a deal lined up for him which they pulled out of at the last minute a year ago so Fulham interest me I think they might lack goals yeah. Wolves I completely agree um, Wolves are going to be an interesting case because I mean Everyone knows how the club is run, and and I guess it is significant that for the first time since he really had his claws in at Manchester United, George Mendes has a Premier League club. Yeah, they signed Joe Moutinho. Yes, like you mm. taking the piss? Like he's <laughs> so good. Yeah, I think he's probably until he signed there, I think he was the best mid, probably the best player in Europe, never to have played in the top league, yeah. never played in Spain, Italy, Germany, or England until now. Like he's you know, so this kind of slightly odd career. Start off in starts off in Portugal. I think mm. he started off at Sporting and then he went to Sporting, Porto. then went to then Porto. he went to Porto mm. when and then remember Tottenham tried to sign him in twenty twelve as their Modric replacement because yeah. A V B really wants him, but the like Levy couldn't quite get the deal done mm. at the last minute. He ended up going to Monaco, mm. um, as part of the deal where James Rodriguez went to Monaco as well, was really, really good there. But you know when when Monaco sort of stopped throwing as much money at it, he I think he tried to engineer in move to United yeah, two yeah, years yeah. ago. 
uh, but that didn't happen. So he's been like having a great time on his yacht in Monaco. <laughs> Won the French Tax-free, League. Tax-free, remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. God knows how much money he's got stored up. But <laughs> now we're going to see him in the Prem. Like, he's such an amazing yeah. player. And they've got Ruben Neves in that midfield as well. It's going to be like one of the best. They've got a lot of good of players. Helder Costa, Cavalero. Um, who's going to be playing up front for them? They got, did they sign Andre Silva on loan from AC Milan? No, they signed um, Mexican strikers. Raul Raul Jimenez, Jimenez, who was at Atletico a couple of years ago and didn't do much, but has been at Benfica and I think he's done a little bit better. Um, The thing that I worry about, I've seen, I've kind of seen this before with with Valencia. Mm. I think that when you've got this first wave of players that come through, and like Wolves fans are in Dreamland now, and and like lots of fans criticise them, and and they're very defensive and, and spiky and say, you know, well, we almost saw our club go out of business. We're playing against Walsall, all that. You know, I'll take Ruben Neves, Jao Moutinho, et cetera, et cetera. So, and I completely yeah. sympathize with yeah. that because this is one of those journeys where, you know, it's going to be, there's going to go up, there's going to be a peak and there's going to be a down at yeah, some yeah. point, right? Mm. You have to enjoy the up while you're on the up. There's no point right, worrying yeah. about the down when you're on the way up. They're on the way up now. There's going to be a point when, because of the way these players are coming to the club, there's going to be a point when other clubs come in and you have to sell some of these players. The worry is that the replacements who come in are players who just need to find a home rather than the players that you want to improve the football team. And that's when things can start going down. I hope it doesn't happen to Wolves, but we've seen it happen at other clubs which were operating a similar model. So I think they'll go, I think they'll go really well this season. And I think top half is not out of the question. Yeah. Do you think we're about... I think they can get top half. Like, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, there's so much difference. There's so much bunching from 8 mm. to 20 that it's only really... like If you get an extra 5 or 6 points beyond what you're expected... You can make a, you can ju- really fly up through the table. So I completely back them to get top half. We mm. spent every week last season seemingly talking about that fatberg of say mm. like twelve teams mm. that were inseparable um, from twentieth up to about eighth. Do we think that will stay together this season? Do you think they'll be more spread out? Uh, do you, you know, mm. I think we can't take too many uh, like just one-time lessons out of last season, but it'd be interesting to see how yeah. that plays out. Well, everything's going to be interesting as well, unless, I mean, mm-hmm. given as tradition as almost a traditional seventh team recently, they won't, like it's almost, it's felt as if the league is basically 6-1-13. What do we think of their transfer approach this well, summer? Well, more even as, as interesting as Marco Silva, because, I mean, had the move actually made it, been made a year ago, you would have thought, well, everything, this is exciting. Whereas some of, some of Silva's glasses now gone. Yeah, slightly, I think it's slightly tainted by mm. what happened over the last year. I also, I, just, I can't, I don't think they've bought well. I mm. don't look at their squad and think it's a good, well-balanced squad. They, they still haven't they replaced Lukaku. They clearly have no obvious plan. No. no. Look at look at watch the, look at their transfers over the last fourteen months. They don't have an obvious plan. If they sign Yeri Mina, as as it seems, mm. that uh, like and, and the Mina thing. I mean, he was he was he was he not was, a good defender at Barcelona. Last yeah, he was he was touted as going to United, but from what I heard, basically that was most of the speculation came from the Barcelona end, who basically realised this player has had a good World Cup we can get a lot more money than we might have. But pre-World Cup, they were always going to get rid of him. Mm. They were always going to get rid of him on loan or on a buyback deal. Mm. He has he scores three goals at a World Cup, which, remember, is not his job. <laughs> and then suddenly, he's worth £35 million. It's mm. absolutely mind-boggling, and it smacks of a club that just are playing it by ear, basically, mm. which, you you know... Yeah, it might work It might work one year and five. You might finish seventh this season. It doesn't, mm. it doesn't endorse what you've been doing. Um... Richarlison for fifty million, that's a weird one as well. Any other club oh, Max Meyer uh, is an interesting one. Um going to Crystal Palace. You'd hope that well, I mean, I, I still think there's there's a there's a chance Wilfred Zaha could leave before Thursday. If it mm. if if it's going anywhere, I think it's, it can only be Chelsea. Mm. But Max Meyer 
was really highly rated when he was at Schalke. Uh, German international was captain of their, their Olympic team, the under-23s. Um, just didn't get the interest on a free transfer. There's something he was expecting. I think people close to him blame the sort of smear campaign around Schalke. That, that what was the smear campaign? Basically, he, he said that he wouldn't sign a new deal with yeah. Schalke last year. They offered, him, they offered him terms and he said, no, I'm going to try it out on a Bosman, which more and more players are going to do because I think they've seen in American sports, if you become a free agent, you make a lot more money. Yeah, and also even, transfer fee inflation yeah. is such that it's actually really hard to get sold. Yeah, it is, yeah. And, and, and even like middling players, like Joe Ledley is one of the mm. ones who, who's, I think he's had two or three Bosman moves in his life and he's made loads of money for yeah. a player of his ability. And, and, and that's how you that's how you maximise mm. your worth is by being a free agent. So mm. any club can come in and pay your worth. And, and Max Meyer, in the end, gets a deal that's worth a basic like £85,000 per week-ish at Crystal Palace. And he gets an opportunity to prove himself um, you know, as far as I'm aware, that, that there's going to be a Champions League club release clause in there. But like, Crystal Palace get him for maybe a year or two. Where will he play in that Crystal Palace system? I'd say on the left of that narrow midfield four. Oh, what, so, where Loftus Cheek was playing last year. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So um, th- I think the the goalkeeper will be Guaita. Um, I think he's probably going to beat Hennessy to the number one job. Although for most of previous season, I've never heard of him. I wasn't sure. Vicente Guaita. He was at Valencia originally. Went to Hitafe, one of the best goalkeepers in La Liga. And he's, they signed him on a free in January. They were trying to get it done okay. early. Couldn't get it done. Signed a pre-contract deal in February, which was announced. Atletico Madrid and Fiorentina came in for him this summer, but Palace said it would be 15 million. He's never played a game for us, so uh, he will be. Fighting with Hennessy for the number one spot, if not number one. The back four, you've got Juan Basaka, the kid who really came through last year. I think he'll start right back. Mm. Sacco and Tompkins, I think they've got a ridiculous record. Like when they played together last year, mm. Palace won every game or something like that. Um, very good. And then left back Van Arnholt, I think, was one of the revelations of last year as well. Midfield, Cheku Koyate, they signed from West Ham alongside Luka Milivojevic. That's solid as yeah. a midfield pairing is going to be. On the right, you can either have Andros Townsend. Uh, James MacArthur on the left. You could have Max Meyer. Um, I guess you could play someone like Zaha. They were looking for Andre Ayew. They nearly had that deal oh, in yeah. place, but Yara Riedeval didn't want to go. And then up front, Zaha, Benteke, Sorloth, um, Connor Wickham, if he's back Connor two Wickham. years out. Yeah. And they're trying to get possibly a lone striker. They were, you know, there were talks over Tammy Abraham. What, so, do, what do we think about West Ham and Southampton? West Ham, I think, have bought some good players. I think they've got a very good coach. Um, there's no direction. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've bought random players that have been offered to them who are expensive, but very good. So it can work. Like it worked with Dimitri Payet. It can go mm-hmm. badly where you've spent a load of money on players and they, they don't perform. But West Ham can't be as bad as last year. I don't think they're going to be in the relegation mix this year. Mm. Yeah. And the thing about Pe- like Pellegrini is a good coach and he has achieved, he has a, overachieved with most teams that he's had but then if you look at his record like at Villarreal he had Raquel May who he could build a team around at Malaga he had Isco who he could build a team around he had a brilliant Real Madrid squad with Ronaldo and when he took over from City in 2013 he was inheriting that City squad at its physical peak yeah yeah like all that like Yaya Silva Aguero Zabaleta Company Hart all basically at their best that year and and of course like as with Isco and and um uh, Raquel May, he had like a David Silver mm. figure who everything could kind of cohere around on the pitch. At West Ham, he doesn't have that. Like, he's yeah, got Wilshire. Yeah, yeah. Like, Lanzini, like, he's it, it, the it, most it, clever midfielder out for the whole season. It's almost a little bit of an acid test of Pellegrini in the sense that we're going to see how much of his previous kind of attack of football is down to 
the players are disposable and how much of his system because now he's in more in need of a system basically yeah and certainly like the at city his reputation was not of a kind of like details coach like yeah, Pep. Yeah. he was more of a kind of like stand on the sideline with a cigarette and mm. you know <laughs> tell the players go on lads figure it out i really <laughs> like him i think he i think he's going to do well um we've only got four minutes so i just need to who's going down who's going down mm. uh yeah well i want to rattle through some of the teams we haven't talked about just looking at Bournemouth, they basically signed two players, Diego Rico from Leganes and David Brooks from Sheffield United. Um, but they have a way of staying up seemingly every season under Eddie Howe. Maybe Charlton. Yeah, but, but you know, how much would it take to go against them? Last year, um, according to like the um, some of the XG measures, they were one of the luckiest teams in the league last mm. year. And if they regress to the mean or even get unlucky this year, mm. then they could be in trouble. Right. Yeah, it seems like they have enough. Uh, Huddersfield have probably gone down, are they? Yeah, I think Huddersfield have gone. Brighton, I think, have bought very well. Mm. By- Brighton have bought Florian Andone from Deportivo La Coruña for about £6 million, pounds, which is a bargain. Uh, Leon Balogun, who we saw at the World Cup, uh, Mainz defender. They bought uh, Ali Reza Yehanbaksh, um, the Iranian forward from I think, sp- I think I spoke to him in a mix zone in St. Petersburg. Um, who they think could be really good. And I think that was a club record fee of around £20 million. They've uh, also signed... Bernardo, who's just a really good fullback mm. from uh, RB Leipzig. So they've secretly got a lot better. Burnley have signed one player, Ben Gibson. We um, like. Yeah, and they might... There's, they're, they're trying to get Joe Rodriguez. Hart. They're really Joe trying, Hart, aren't oh, they? Oh, sorry. Yes, Joe Hart. And they're really trying to get Joe yeah. Rodriguez. They've actually got quite a lot of depth, Burnley. It'll be interesting to see how they cope with Europa League football. Uh, I hope they do well. I think they'll be fine. I'm sure they'll stay up. They, they, they look solid. Um, Cardiff. So down. Have you seen... So, so uh, down. I don't want to speak too soon, but I looked at their starting eleven the other day, and I couldn't find one that I thought would stay in the Premier League. They'd have to, everyone would have to re- kind of overachieve. Like Bobby Reed from Bristol City is going to have to hit the ground running. Alex Smithies is signed from QPR. Greg Cunningham, the former Manchester City left back, oh, wow. uh, joins from Preston, and Josh Murphy from Norwich. Uh, they've kind of signed upper Championship players, hoping they make the step up. I guess uh, Chelsea, we've discussed. Crystal Palace, we've discussed. Everton, we've discussed. Fulham, um, we've definitely discussed. Uh, Fabry from Besiktas was a player we forgot to talk about. Huddersfield, Miguel, you don't like the look of them. They signed Terence yeah, Congolo no. from Monaco for £17 million. No, no, not that I don't like the look, but I mean, I think they drastically overachieved their last season. And I, well, I mean, it, it doesn't mean what they're doing isn't good. It's just, you know, they're still ultimately... They're the, the, smallest, they're the smallest and poorest club in the Prem by yeah, so far. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, the, the deck is always stacked against mm. them. Leicester are an interesting side because... They're actually bought interestingly. James, James Ma- Madison is a really good player. Yeah, he's and, a great player. And I would love to see how he does in the Premier League. I think he could be fun to watch. They're trying to sign... Um, it's got that guy from Monaco, the winger. I forgot his they've name. signed Rashid Ghazal from Monaco. Yeah. yeah, that's gone through. Johnny Evans from West Brom. That signing. happened really early. Three and a half million pounds. That's one of the best value signings of the summer. They signed Danny Ward from Liverpool, which seemed like an overpay. And Ricardo Pereira, who's a very good Porto mm. right back. He's the guy that Tottenham tried to sign last he is, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really so, highly rated. Um, Leicester have seemingly bought quite well. I think uh, as long as Claude Puel stays in charge, they're not going to make too many headlines. But they should easily get enough points mm. to stay up and, and then yeah, probably be, be in that table. They'll be fine. Uh, we talked about Liverpool, Manchester City, and United. Um, we talked very little about Newcastle this off-season mm. because they haven't done much. Um, Again, that's, an, that's another place going through Groundhog Day. Miguel, yeah. uh, not Miguel, Johnny, mm. wrote his column on, on Rafa Benitez yeah. needing to leave uh, his abusive boyfriend, Mike <laughs> Ashley. Uh, very, very entertaining column you should uh, read from Friday. They've really not done much. Um, Southampton are a team who stayed up by the skin of their teeth. They spent £16 million on Basel's Mohamed Al-Yunusi, 
7 million on Stuart Armstrong from Celtic. They've brought giant centre-back Yannick Vestergaard from Borussia Mönchengladbach. And Manchester City's Angus Gunn for £13.5 million. Pounds. I think they're in trouble, Southampton. Um, I th- Mark Hughes. I, I don't know whether Mark Hughes is the right man to like mm. build them upwards, yeah. even though he saved them last year. I mean, there's not much evidence that that he would be the right guy for the job. Um I think they could have they bought those have exact same players if they'd been relegated. They don't have a striker. <laughs> Who's that? Like their best striker, Charlie Austin, is not is not a Premier League striker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sha- Shane Long can't score. Shane Long can't score. El Unis, I guess. Gabbiadini, who not sure. Their, their best player, Dusan Tadic, they sold mm. to Ajax. Yeah. Yes, uh, the outbound. They've lost Dusan Tadic, um, who we talked to uh, at length in in Russia, and he loved his time at Southampton, but is looking forward to going back to Ajax, back to Holland with Ajax. Jordi Klassi's gone. Um, club record £19 million signing in January Guido Carrillo has also gone on loan to Leganes Sofiane Buffal who's the other club record signing has gone on loan to Celta Vigo so they've brought in a lot of quality that they've immediately got rid of for very little money which is usually a bad sign so I think you're right Southampton could be in trouble Tottenham no ins as we've discussed Watford have signed Ben Wilmot from Stevenage a guy you know a bit about yeah like very talented young defender they got from League 2 had no hasn't gone could have gone to Arsenal and Tottenham and then gone out on loan but chose to go to Watford because he's straight into the first team squad uh, I wouldn't be that bullish about Watford this year mm. like I don't I mean it, it you don't you you don't have to be that good to stay up that's a problem so it's not like they proved anything by staying up last year I just kind of think it's not really not much quality there Javi Gracia unproven in the Premier League wouldn't be that optimistic if I was a Watford fan I actually forgot he was still in charge but yes um so that's everyone. We've actually discussed every Premier League team. Uh, we'll obviously discuss them more at length over the season. Um, if you are new here, then please remember to rate, review and subscribe. Um, we're going to have, over the coming weeks, a big Champions League preview show. We're going to be talking about the Champions League draw. We'll dig deep into mm. this weekend's big game, which you're going to on Sunday, Miguel. Yeah, we both are, aren't we? Yeah, Arsenal against City Arsenal on Sunday. against Manchester City. A big uh, premiere for Unai Emery against yep. uh, Pep Guardiola's already fully firing Manchester mm. City side. I'll be at Crystal Palace Fulham on Saturday to see two kind of interesting teams, uh, Roy Hodgson's former side against current side, and see how that pans out by the river. Uh, Until then, I guess, um, we'll see you later. Miguel, thank you for coming in today. Jack, thank you for all of your work. I've been Ed Malian, this has been the Indie Football Podcast, and until next week, goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.